Okay, so Be'ezus Hashem, hope everybody's doing well. Such a privilege and pleasure to be able to sit together and to learn together. Um, and Reb Shimon, it's so great to see you. Particularly, I've been thinking a lot about you. Um, so thank you to everybody for joining. And let's jump right into it, Be'ezus Hashem. Um, I'm just going to share my screen. And with Hashem's help, we're continuing our journey through Sicha Saran, this incredible safer filled with wisdom and guidance and perspective. And we're taking a look today at Sicha Saran 91, Sadi Aleph. Sadi Aleph, in and of itself, is an incredible teaching. Just the, the heading, just the number 91, um, as some of us may be familiar, is the gematria of the word Amen, is gematria, the word Sukkah, is ultimately gematria, the yichud, the conjugation, the connection between the name of Hashem, Yud, He, Vav, and He, and the other name of Hashem, which is how we pronounce that ineffable, uh, inexpressible name, Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud. When you take these two together, which is the sum total of our experience of the godliness that's beyond our capacity to grasp, and then the godliness that we channel down through our lived experience of the human condition. So when you put Yud Ke Vav Ke together with its vessel, Aleph Dalin Nun Yud, you also get the Gematria of 91. And so just right away, we should be aware, this is something special. This is something special. Tehillim, Tzadi Aleph, Yoishev, Beseser Elyon, also an incredible Tehillim that's specifically 91 for a reason. It's a very, very, very incredible number. And so we, we should keep that in mind as we begin to open up the sugya and to learn through this teaching, all with Hashem's help and with a tremendous amount of gratitude to each and every one of you uh, for being here and for learning this with all of us. Before we take a look at the actual teaching from Rabbi Nachman, we're going to first, if you don't mind, take a look at a teaching from the Me'ashilach, from the Ishbitzer Rebbe, that I think is just a good hakdama to frame what we're going to be learning from Rabbi Nachman, Suchusam, Yagin Aleinu. So the Me'ashilach says like this, this shows up in Parsha's Taldas, right in the beginning um, of the Parsha in the first volume of this incredible Sefer. And he says, Any true Divri Taira, which in Ishbitz means always consciousness, doesn't just mean literal words of Torah that you read out of a Sefer. Anytime you see these two, these two letters here, Dalit and Taf in Ishbitz, it, it isn't just referring, even though it means Divri Torah, um, and it's really a play on the word Eish Das Lamai, right? A reference to the Torah that's a, f- a fiery flame, Eish Das Lamai. Um, so Das is Rosh Tevos is an acronym for Divrei Torah, but in Ishbitz, it's talking about perceptions of spirituality, of godliness, higher and deeper levels of awareness and spiritual perception. So just good to keep in mind. So he says, V'chein kol Divrei Torah Amitim, any true ascension, in terms of our perception of Hashem in life and Amuna, Ein Lahem Hoilada, it will only have the opportunity and the privilege of being birthed, of being born into this world, Rak Achar Goidel Shuka, only after a tremendous amount of yearning. She is Lahem, that a person needs to long and a person needs to yearn. If it's not preceded by the longing and the yearning, even though a person might access Divrei Torah, 
but it's missing the desperation. It's missing the personal investment. It's missing the self-sacrifice. It's missing the, the, the real foundation upon which true das, true divrei Torah, true consciousness of Hashem must be founded. So he brings a beautiful remez, it's brought in the Gemara above Metziah, famous sugya, the Parak Hazav, without getting into the halachic uh, aspect of the sugya right now. But some of us may be familiar with these words at least. Masnisim lay Rabbi, the Rabbi Shimon Bray. The Heliger Rabbi told Rabbi Shimon, his son, that Bialduseh, in his younger years, he, he taught Hakesef Koina as Hazav. It's a conversation in the Gemara about what exactly the, the money is. Uh, vis-a-vis what's, what's being purchased, which of these two metals, of these two precious substances, silver and gold, is the money, and which is the substance for various halachic parameters. And so in his youth, he said it's the kesef, it's the silver that's acquiring the gold, kesef but it was a kenuse, as he got older, he changed his perception, and he changed his uh, his uh, his shita, and he paskin hazav kainas hakasev. That in fact, it's the gold that is acquiring the silver. Okay, so and that's the halachic um, statement that again has various implications for monetary law. Sahainu, he says, what does this mean on a deeper level? How can we apply this taravodas Hashem, which is really the main thing? Hainu, what this means is kibiyalda shala adam. That when a person is in their yaldusai, their youth, a person has a natural yearning to grow, a natural excitement for connection to Hashem. When the little children have kisufin, they have a longing, which the Zohar explains is embodied in the substance of kesef, Kesef, says the, that says the Tsar, in the context of the Arba Mea Shekel Kesef Oivala Soicher, in the context of Avram Avinu buying the Ma'arasam Machpelah from Ephron, the Tsar says over there that Kesef is Kisufin. Even though Kesef means silver, but it's the root of the word Kisufin, which means to yearn and to long. And so in our youth, Ha Kesef Koina Es Hazav, Kisufin, is going to acquire for us Zahav, which is a reference to Hainu Divrei Torah, a reference to the words of Torah, La'amitam, which are so precious, Yikur B'Shem Zahav, that they're called gold, gold, pure, refined gold. Mezukak Sheva we find it to Tehillim a number of times. Me'alfei Zahav, right? Zahav, even though it says Vachasef, but Zahav is first. Zahav is the symbol, is the metaphor for the Torah. And so in his Yaldus, in our younger years, we say, Kesef Koines Hazav. If we want to access real Torah, but for real, that it shouldn't just be information that we bring into our minds, but it should be the Adata Ayom, we should learn it intellectually, and Ashivosa Elavavecha, that it begins to change our perspective on life. It begins to become the lens through which we see things, that it, it has an implication for us long after we leave the base measures, long after we close the safer, for all the in-between moments which make up the majority of most of our lives. For the Torah to really be acquired, it needs to be with kesef. We need to yearn for it. We need to want it deeply. We need to be spiritual seekers. Mevakshe Hashem. 
And so in our Yaldos, when we have this natural yearning and longing, HaKesef Kisufin Koines Hazav, that enables us to acquire the Zahav of Torah. And Kesef, of course, like we said, Hainut Shuka Viksifa, means yearning, longing. Avul Bizikna, but when we become older, so then Sarah Adam Lavakesh, the main thing, it becomes flipped. Hopefully at that point, a person has already learned and a person has already grown and a person has already expanded their perception. So then, you know what the main thing is? The main thing is... Sorry about that. That's also me, but that's a different year. So... Um, what does this mean? Ah, what's the main thing? The main thing is kisufin. Because in our youth, we need the longing to access the Torah. But as we get older and along the journey of life, on that journey when Rabbi Nachman told his story of the lost princess, as we get older, we lose the cheshek. So we might have the Torah, we lose the cheshek. And so it's, it shifts, the priority shifts. Abel bezikna in a person's older years, a person needs to seek that they shouldn't lose the kisufin. And a person needs to daven to Hashem that through the divrei Torah, through the perception, that a person should never settle, that a person should never come to a place where they think that they've already gotten and therefore they lose this feeling of this this feeling of being compelled to continue to grow, to continue to climb the infinite ladder of deeper and deeper and, and more kavana and more knowledge and more depth and more sensitivity and compassion and, and, and clarity and truth and so on. So this is how he's reading the Gemara. Rebbe was saying that in my Yaldus, in my Yaldus, in my Yalduse, Hakesef Koines Hazav. The main thing was the Torah. And how do we get it? Through longing. But then when I got older and I already had the Torah, so then the priority shifted, I needed to use what I had gained from Torah to ensure that I didn't lose the, the yearning. Hazav Koines Hakesef. I utilized the gold, so to speak, the Torah, to acquire more yearning, more longing. So the main thing is a beautiful drush, but the main thing is going back to the first line. We'll read it again. To really get access to the, to the Torah in a deep, deep, transformative way. The only way to bring that into our lives is We have to long for it. We have to care about it. We have to want it. For a person to be parched, knowing that the only drop of liquid that could quench our thirst is the Torah. And so here we have a tremendous question that brings us into Sichasran, Tzadi Aleph. And the question, of course, is how? How? How do we get this Cheshek? What if a person doesn't have the Cheshek? How do we get the cheshek to enable ourselves to want deeply enough for our engagement with Torah to birth in our lives transformative teachings? 
transformative revelations. And Yer bin Nachman addresses this in, a, in one of the more well-known and very, very beautiful teachings, but it's always kedai, it's always worth reviewing because it's so important. Says Rabbi Nachman, Da, a person should know, if a person wants there to be cheshek, a person wants to strengthen their commitment to Limit Torah. How do we get this chuka, this yearning, this kesef koines hazav? How do we get the kisufin? That a person should want very much to learn. Says Rabbi Nachman, a counterintuitive thing, something that we wouldn't necessarily have come to on our own without the guidance of the tzaddik. Who? The key is, the secret is, to be careful of lilidaver. Not to speak al shum ish Yisraeli. Not to speak badly about any Jew in the whole world. Strange thing. What's the connection? So one have to do with the other. It's important not to speak lashon hara. What, what does one thing have to do with the other? That shmiras halashon, and maybe even on a deeper level shmiras hamachshava, but certainly shmiras halashon to guard what we're saying. And to pause before we speak and to think, is this absolutely necessary? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Is this to be Marabek Fod Shemaim? Am I bringing God's presence into the world more deeply? Or is this about me? Or is this about Yetzar Tov or Yetzar? To pause and to think and to, and, to, and to filter what we're going to think or say. That somehow this should impact the degree to which we are yearning for dust, for, for, for divine perception that comes through learning Torah. Or the, or the opposite, what's the connection? So Rabbi Nachman explains, When a person's bride is, is yaf, is, is beautiful. And again, beauty is completely in the eyes of the beholder. So it means to the chasin, she's beautiful. Whatever that means. But to him, she's yafeh, she's beautiful. And I think this should be seen historically in the context of the fact that most of the marriages were arranged, right? Mamish, in, in, in Hasidish families, it was arranged for, by Rabbi Nachman himself got married at 13 years old. So you have to understand that the society was completely different there. So it was like attraction between the husband and the, and the wife was an afterthought if a consideration at all didn't really matter. But says Rabbi Nachman, if that aspect is there, so azai ha'ahava bishlemas. So he walks down the, to the chuppah, not only because kacha, and this is what the parents decided, and they sat with each other for 20 minutes, and they figured that they're not going to kill each other, you know, they could somehow make it work, and so now they're chassan and kala. But it's deeper than that. He, he, he feels she's complete in his eyes, so then the love is complete. But if the kala has some kind of Blemish that again everything is relative, but to the chasin it, it's something that's irksome, and it goes the same way as just using that side. But it could be the same thing for the kala, and you're gonna see why he's using the kala specifically. But the same is true in the opposite direction. If the chasin has some kind of you know debilitating blemish that she hasn't fully accepted, as a bevade ein hahava So even though let's say on paper she or he again depending on the mushal they're going to get a whole lot out of this and they have a deep relationship and, and they're excited about starting life together. But it's not, it's not fully complete. Not fully complete. It's a big matana. 
that a person should walk to the chuppah. It's a matana to walk to the chuppah in the first place. I bless us all to be gifted with that gift. Be'ezus Hashem, those who are in the, the parasha, should be bekar of mamish. But it's a, it's a real gift, you know, to walk bishlemus, bishlemus, bishlemus. Wow. So the reason Rabbi Nachman is using this as the mashal is because the Torah is referred to as a bride. The Torah is called a bride. As the Pasuk says, That the Torah was commanded over, gifted to us by Moshe Rabbeinu, It is the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob, of Kehilas Yaakov. V'darsha Rabbi and the Gemara tells us in two places here, in Shas Brachas, and Psachim al Tikra my Rasha, don't read it, that the Torah is our inheritance, but much deeper, Ella Mi'oyrasa. The Torah is our betrothed. It's our beloved. The Torah is always referred to in Lashen, Nekeva. Mi'oyrasha. The Torah is the aspect of the bride vis-a-vis the groom, which is the Jewish nation. And we know that the Torah is not just married to the, to the Jewish people, but much deeper, in a very deep sense, the Torah is the Jewish people. Maybe even more radically, the Jewish people are the Torah. And that's the sword of Torah Shabbat Peh, which is completely up to us. Fascinating thing. It's up to Chazal, to craft the Torah, to shape the Torah. It's up to the tzaddikim of each generation to channel the Torah in a way that's going to be relevant and applicable to their generation, like we've said many times in the past from the Degamach and Ephraim. That tzaddikim daven, that they should be communicating messages that are relevant. So the Torah is, is, is us. It's in our bones. It's in our neshamas. But the Zohar HaKadosh, and that result each, that it gets even more specific. Every single root soul in the 600,000 root souls of the Jewish nation has its Shoresh with a particular letter in the Torah. Fascinating thing. Go to Shul on Shabbos, and you listen, hopefully, to the, to the readings, and I listen, hopefully, to the, to the readings of the Parsha. One of those letters and one of those words is the shorish of my soul. I don't know which it is. But it's the root of my soul. Very deep. We know that the 600,000 root letters in the Torah are are connected to and bound up with or serve as the root for the 600,000 root souls of the Jewish nation. So the Torah is a bride and the Torah is synonymous with Am Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, If we are looking and finding blemishes in other Jews, so then what does that mean? It's not just that this particular person I, I can't stand, as a particular person who I'm certain, has a blemish, moral, ethical, spiritual, intellectual, physical, whatever it is, baked in to their essential identity. And that's going to be crucial. We're going to see that in a minute. So it's not just a statement about this one person. 
And it's not either just a statement about the whole Jewish nation. It's also in a very deep way a statement about the Torah. Because if the blemish cuts to the root of their identity, that means that their letter in the Torah is similarly fragmented, distorted, ugly, in a certain ways, ugly. So, if we find a blemish in another Jewish soul, so that means that there is there would seem to be a blemish in the root of the Torah, which is the source and the essence of all Jewish souls. So what do you think happens to a person if in finding blemishes in other Jews, they're finding a blemish in the Kala of the Torah? Sub-spiritually, subconsciously, it's incredible because there's a connection here. In a crazy way, it will impact this person's interest and love for the Torah. Because, again, on a very sub-sub-deep spiritual level, he's going to have an aversion. There's something not complete about the Torah. And therefore his love for the Torah is incomplete, and therefore his yearning for the Torah is incomplete. Aval, however, when a person is super careful not to speak negatively about any Jew, and a person works at this, and we shouldn't take this on forever and ever, but take it on for one day, maybe even less, they have an hour a day, but then it could become like a think of this is my no Lashonara hour, which by implication means that the other 23 hours of the day are Lashonara hours, and it's the one hour that we don't speak Lashonara. That's also, you know, but let's, a person takes one hour, says, okay, this hour, not to the exclusion of any other hour, but this hour, I'm going to really, I'm going to watch myself. I'm going to watch one hour, and then it grows, it extends. Or to take one particular day to start with, or we're making a, a reminder, maybe reminders on our phones. Each of us have our own, you know, r- routine and, and how we need to get reminded. Imagine if we would do that. Take one day a week and decide for ourselves, I am not going to say anything bad about another Jew today. Just won't do it. This is beyond even Lashon Hara. Because like uh, the gray areas, is this Lashon Hara, is this not? I'm just going to only say good things today. Just only good things. Says Rabbi Nachman, even though it seems completely like no connection between these two things, says the Rebbe, watch how your cheshek, your yearning to engage with the Torah will increase. Because Avas Yisrael, in a very deep way, is synonymous with Avas HaTorah, is in a very deep way synonymous with Avas Hashem. And the more that we work on one, the more it's going to have an impact on the others. Even though it seems on a physical level like no connection between the two, spiritually they're synonymous. So, when a person is careful not to speak negatively about any Jewish person, and a person doesn't want to find any blemish in any Jew, 
So then Nimsa, from his perspective, all he sees, to quote my dear friends at Nuriel, Yonatan, Atias, and the rest of the crew, all we see is light. Right? All we see is light. Nimsa she'ein ba'atayr shem chisar. So the Torah is totally complete. There's no blemish. There's no mum. There's nothing ugly about the Torah. It's, it's totally sh- it's shining. Because the Jewish nation is shining. And the Jewish nation are the Torah. And so the Torah is, is completely complete. Ein ba'atayr shem chisar no mum. As I bevada ma'oid going to come to really love the Torah, to really yearn, to engage with the Torah, literally to become engaged. And then a person will find it much easier to overcome whatever hurdles there are, to committing to consistent um, engagement with learning. With learning. Zehu, and this is the deeper pshat, the deeper meaning, in a pasuk Torah Hashem to me, where the pasuk Tehillim says the Torah of Hashem is complete. Meshiva snafesh, it revives the soul, the spirit. So what this means, says Rabbi Nachman, on a deeper level, I know what this means is, If a person, by virtue of seeing only the good in other Jews, comes to see the Torah as being tamima, there's nothing missing, there's no blemish that's causing the love to be incomplete, and there's some nagging awareness in, deep in the chassan's heart that like, Okay, it's, it's almost there, but chaval, right? Halavai, like that kind of thing, chas v'shalom, where, where the love is not completely complete. So, hainu kishetaris Hashemi tamima. But when our engagement with the Torah is tamim, belish shum chisar without any blemish, dainu kishen is harin l'li l'daber, l'li l'imtza shum chisar and b'shum yisraeli, like we said, how does this happen? By a person being super careful not to speak negatively about other Jews. Shu ois who is a letter in the Torah. Nimtza, it emerges. Sha'az taris Hashem t'mim, belish shum chisar and umum. When we get to this level where we perceive the Torah as being complete, so says David HaMelech, good. Azaihu, then we achieve the next two words in the Pasuk, Meshivas Nafesh, brings us to life. Meshivas Nafesh, it gives us back our Nafesh. Nafesh means yearning, like find in the Gemara, Hayeshim Nafshecha, right? If you want, Nafesh could mean to want. Shavas Vayinafesh, right? Means that God rested. Vayinafesh means that his desire was completed. Tachlis Maisei Shema Shabbos is the Tachlis. It is the complete manifested will of the, of the divine. Shabbos Vayinafash. Shabbos is the embodiment of Hashem's will. Nefesh could mean to want. And so it's only when Tairas Hashem Timima that Gevalt Meshivas Nafesh. Then it restores our yearning to engage with the Torah. Because it's not lacking. And then we merit to have the cheshek that the Miyashilach spoke about, that in order to really acquire the Torah, kisufin, kisufin, acquire the Torah. But how do you get kisufin yearning? We have to first work on Avas Yisrael. When we work on Avas Yisrael, naturally, memela, it's going to impact our love for the for the Torah.
So I think this is, this is true, and we're learning it in this way in a mystical sense, because there's a spiritual connection between the root soul of a Jew and a letter in the Torah. And so in some abstract way, loving one will, will bring us to love the other. But I, but I think it's true much more pragmatically as well. I think on a very basic, this-worldly, mitzvah level, it's very simple. One of the things that's going to drive people away from the Torah is by seeing people who are ostensibly uh, living a Torah lifestyle acting in ways that are completely abhorrent and completely um, horrible. And when we come to see, and this is true even for, quote-unquote, already from people, but it's certainly true about our brothers and sisters who are, are not Torah observant and within that segment of the, of the Jewish population, it's certainly true for them that when they look into the community and they see uh, horrible things going on, Hashem Ishmar, so then they say they have no cheshek to engage with Torah and mitzvahs. How should they have cheshek to engage with Torah and mitzvahs if, if this is all they see? So Rabbi Nachman is, is saying something so deep. Not to fool ourselves and to pretend as if everything's perfect. Not going to get us anywhere if we sweep every problem under the rug and pretend like everything is fine. No, growth comes from making an honest assessment and inventory, really getting real with ourselves and really examining our issues. That, that's not what Rabbi Nachman is speaking about. But what the Rebbe is speaking about is coming to a deeper perspective on Jews, which doesn't see the blemish as essential. Uh, going back to the mushal of the chasen and the kala, let's say, maybe the kala has a little bit, maybe like um, she was she was eating uh, some cake at the, at the wedding that she was starving. She fasted the whole day of the chuppah, and then and then maybe in the yichud room, let's say she's eating some chocolate cake. And there's like a smear of chocolate on her on her neck, and he's a little bit, you know, he's they're they're married f- uh, five minutes, but you know he's not about he doesn't know if she should, he should tell her, but like it's it's bothering him a little bit. I mean, you know, it's it, it's he doesn't want to insult her and etc. etc. So okay, right? It's 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 not a big deal. It's not going to lessen the ava because he knows that this is completely cosmetic. This is not a. It's not a fundamental thing. It's not going to have to live with this forever and ever, and she's not going to have to have chocolate cake on her neck you know, for the rest of her life, or even the rest of the evening. But chas v'shalom, you know, if there's something much more essential, then it's, it's a different story. And so in order to do what Rabbi Nachman is saying, doesn't mean to convince ourselves that every everybody is perfect and and that we need to condone the worst you know behavior that we see all around us all the time. Chas v'shalom. It doesn't mean to do that. We have to recognize you know, and then there are other healthier ways of processing to recognize. Like the Baal Shem Tov says, everything's a mirror, and so we have to just reflect more deeply and understand what the Gemara says. Kalam poisel b'mumai poisel. That if we're finding a blemish in someone else, that means that we share in some of that ourselves, etc., etc. Meaning Hashem made that we should know right and wrong. We, we don't want to just pretend like everything's okay. But what we do want to do, and this is very deep, and we're going to see this teaching in a minute from Rabbi Nachman himself. In another place, arguably the most famous teaching in Breslau, which many of us have already learned many, many times, but it's Kedai to see it again. Azamra, 282, Reish Pebez. What the tzaddikim do want to help us to do 
is to come to a level of awareness that enables us to realize that no matter what we see a Jew doing or saying or thinking, that is the shmir of, of chocolate cake vis-a-vis their essence. It's not fundamental in them. Meaning to say, there's a place in themselves which is a letter in the Torah, which is perfectly pure. It's Kaddish and Tahar and is their true selves, rooted in godliness, the highest, highest form. And anything else is cosmetic. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be contextualized. It needs to be understood and broken down and analyzed and, and worked through and healed. But it doesn't define them. It doesn't define them. And Mamela, again, I'm speaking very pragmatically, if we could take that approach to members of or whole communities that we perceive to be reflecting the Torah in such a way that makes us want to run in the opposite direction, we need to come to the understanding that that's not actually who they are. That's not actually what the Torah is. And I'm not going to speak about them as fundamentally distorted. And I'm not going to look upon them as being fundamentally flawed. They're fundamentally holy. And for one reason or another, this, th- th- there's this issue and that issue, and I could try to do my part to heal those issues and model them better in my own life, and so on and so forth. And if, if the circumstance is right, and they're going to listen, and, and, and we have some influence to be able to sit with them and, and help them work through things out of love and to the real Torah. But if we approach it in a much deeper way, so then my love of Jews and who they actually are fortifies my love of the Torah and what the Torah actually is. It's a samchayim. It's a samchayim. It's an elixir of life. It's an elixir of health. It's an elixir of breadth and depth and, 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 and blessing and, and sensitivity and, and everything holy and gentle and, and pure. And so is every Jew. And so that's what Ibn Ahmed means to say, I think, in my humble opinion, if a person is careful not to speak essentially, and again, Lashon Hara is Lashon Hara, but even when we need to speak about flaws, we always remember what the truth of the truth of the truth is. That even though on the outside things may look golden, and then sometimes we scratch away a layer and we see it's just wood, just the Aron, which contains the Torah. It's gold on the outside and wood on the inside. And it's ugly and we say, oh, this is the real them. Never forget like the Svarim teach us, there's gold beyond that too. Inner box is, is Viter gold. And that's the true truth. Dig deeper. Like we always say, just dig deeper. Dig deeper. And when we dig deeper, so then pragmatically, we say this is not reflective of their true essence. And it's certainly not reflective of the essence of the Torah. Everything is pure and beautiful. We have to heal. We have to heal. But we don't mistake the external for the for the essential for the for the essentially there
right? Okay. So, says the Rebbe, yeah, right? So that, and that's, that, and that's the teaching. Okay, so now let's take a look um, with, the, with the last couple of minutes. Let's take a look at Rabbi Nachman and the Kutaran 282 where the, Rebbe, where the Rebbe basically says this straight out. Da, says the, says the Rebbe, a person needs to know, and again, this is review, a lot of this is review for, for, for many of us, but it's, it's really important to review, especially Reish Pebez, that the Rebbe Nachman says you have to walk with all the time, can never let go of Torah Reish Pebez. So he says, Da, you should know, have to judge every person favorably. What does this mean? Even a person who's a, a, an absolutely wicked person, that by the way, you don't actually have to judge favorably. If you look at the Mepharshim, the Rishonim, on the Mishnah in Perkeyavas, that says, a person should always judge someone favorably. That's, that's only with a person who's neutral, certainly with a person who we have reason to believe, but a person who's confirmed, and the per- like when you see someone doing something, you you have no chiv no halachically to judge that person favorably. There are parameters for these things. So how does Rabbi Nachman come out of the gate over here telling us that afilu mishu rasha gamor, even a completely wicked person, completely wicked person, you have to judge him favorably. In what way? Says the Rebbe in the following way, and it's a chiddush, it's a novel thought. Tzarech we need to seek v'lim soibai, and to find within that person eze ma'at toiv, to find a bit of, of goodness, pure goodness, in that person, where in that little part of that person's identity, they're not wicked. And that's the answer to the question. Because a wicked person, you don't have to judge favorably. A confirmed wicked, but if you can find a part of that, a part of that completely wicked person that's actually not wicked, a bit of a paradox, but we're going to explain, and we've already explained. So then, then there's a Pesach, there's an opening, and that part of that person is in a different category, even while the person as a whole might be in one category. But I find a little bit of perfect sweetness and holiness in that person. Through finding this little bit of good, and I'm able to judge that person generally favorably, Says Rabbi Nachman, an incredibly um, forward-thinking, revolutionary thing. That through doing this, we can merit to lift that person truly to the to the side of zuchos v'yuchala and we can help the person return, not by giving them musr, and not by telling them all the things that they're doing wrong per se, there's space for that too, depends if the person will listen, there are about that as well. But the first thing, the first thing is to help that person rediscover who they actually are. To reveal to that person their inherent goodness, their fundamental and essential sweetness and beauty. And then the person has a foothold. And then the person can begin to climb out of the pit of despair. And then there's hope for that person because you gave them hope, because you revealed the hope that was baked into the essence of their spiritual DNA. 
that aspect in which ain shemiyush ba'elim klal. No matter what, even a rasha gamor, which is so, it's like, is there anything more complete than a completely wicked person? Says Rabbi Nachman, even the rasha gamor is not a rasha gamor because you'll find within him a, a, a crack. You'll find within him a holy fracture that opens up to the light of the divine. Ein shum klal. There's no such thing. So this is the aspect of the Pasuk in Tehillim, where David HaMelech says, Va'ayd ma'at ve'ein rasha, which literally means, wait a little bit longer. Ayd ma'at, hang in there a little bit longer, ve'ein rasha, and wickedness will be wiped away from the earth. And you'll focus, you'll contemplate, you'll look back to its place, where the place where wickedness was, ve'einenu, it will be gone. Says Rabbi Nachman, true, Ayd ma'at can mean a little bit longer, but it can also mean ma'at, a little bit, oid. Oid means more. Find that little spark of moreness within the Jewish person. That when you thought you analyzed the person and you came to the conclusion that this is a Russia gummer, right? You've, you've We've drawn all the parameters, measured width and depth and length and height, and this is a Rasha Gamor, says the Rebbe, good, now find Oid Ma'at. Now find a little bit more, a little bit more essential. Go deeper. So the Pasuk is warning us, and it is a deep warning, because mamish life and death is in our hands. How are we going to relate to our students? How are we going to relate to our children? How are we going to relate to our friends? Mamish life and death, it's a warning. It's a heavy thing. It's a burden that we have to carry to develop an eye in taiva. Mamish, we could either ch- we could heal the world or chas the opposite. So it's not simple. The Torah warns us, to take the all, the true all into account doesn't just mean to judge everyone favorably. To judge every one. That each person we should judge their every. Taking into account every oid ma'at, the little bit more, the extension beyond the boundaries. Expand the boundaries. Find a way of finding something more essentially human, which means more essentially godly, which means more essentially good than whatever is manifest on the surface. And even though you see with your eyes, right, with your assessment that he's a Rasha Gamor, we need to seek that little bit of good where that person is not wicked at all. And that's Pshat on the Pasuk. Look a little bit more. Find the Ma'at, that little bit. That's beyond what you think you've already seen. After your assessment is completed and you've seen what you've seen with your eyes, says Rabbi Nachman, based on the Pasuk, tell him, Oid Ma'at, find the little bit, Ma'at, Oid, more to the person where the ain Rasha, where in that aspect the person is still pure, is still perfect, is still whole, is still whole, is still healthy. That's really what it all comes down to. That's what's coming as we get to the end of time. We realize that spirituality and mental health are enmeshed. And that difficulty in, in spiritual matters is, is, is a health issue more than anything. And it needs healing. We all need healing. Very deep. Very, very deep. This is the secret of Mashiach. This is a secret that Mashiach is revealing to the world. 
a spirituality of healing, not of dogma. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Various techniques that are being revealed in the world now as we get closer and closer to the coming of Mashiach. With different tools and different modalities, different substances even. Many, many, many incredible things are happening in the world. Many incredible giluyim. Things are shifting and changing. And we're starting to revisit Yiddishkeit through the doorway of a desperate of a, of a desperate cheshek, as opposed to just something nice we inherited from our parents. It's, it used to be Elikeinu. Now we're all being pushed to a point where Elikeinu, Hashem is becoming much more real to us. And that's such a beautiful thing. And so we need to find that aspect of the person where the person is still whole. Their essence, which, which hasn't, hasn't yet been completely trampled by, the, by this worldliness, with all of the various layers of trauma and abuse that, it, that, that the human condition necessitates. It's an essentially traumatic experience to be a human, irrespective of any trauma. It's, 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 it's a trauma for the soul to be born. And then we add on to that, and other people, Chas Vashon, add on to us, and circumstance, and experience, and, and, and etc., so much more. But just being born, being caught up in this tension of body and soul, it's, 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 so we need to heal. But if if we can find this little bit more that there is, where ve'in Russia, Will you find this little bit more that's good? And here's the key word. That the person still has. What does still has mean? From when? What, is, what does Rabbi Nachman mean? That the person still has. And I venture to say or suggest that it's talking about the spark of childhood innocence and purity. That does define who we actually are. We call this the spirit of the princess. Before we lose it, along the journey of life, from childhood to adulthood, we speak about this in the first few chapters of this story of our lives. Where you can cut past all the layers of adult sophistication, everything that looks on the surface, like, oh... And you can help to reintroduce the person to their shining essence, what they had when they were just a little child, where their eyes were shining with goodness and idealism and hope and kindness and true unbridled love and confidence, and etc. Spirituality, true spirituality, faith, like little children, sweetness. So, sheyesh payadayin. There's no adult that doesn't still have a little bit of that. So you have to look very deep to find it. And it's a talent to be able to help introduce people back to that place inside of them. It's called the inner child. Shisham inner Russia, where over there it's not this big macho, you know, rebel. It's just this frightened little child. Kiafal Pishu Russia, because even though this person is indeed a, a wicked person, a wicked person, this person's done wicked things. How could it be that they don't still have some leftover vestige of childhood purity? How could it be that they've never done something good, that they've never lived something good? 
And through this that we find that and we help them see that in themselves and we look past all of the external facades to be able to see the shining essence of the person which is their true identity, which is the golden box inside the Aron. Shisham Einar Rasha, where over there the person is mamish, not wicked at all. The Atadana Yisraelikav Schos, this ties into our shir last week, Mavir Risha and Risha, and we are able to recontextualize and understand where the person comes from and why they are the way that they are, and who knows what they've gone through in their life, and who knows what the, what, how, much, how much pain they're carrying around, and, and who knows what's causing the blockages that, that are, are causing them to act in such ways, etc., etc. And we refuse to believe that the essence of humanity is rotten. We believe that the essence of humanity is good, is sweet, is whole, and that's the way that we see other Jews. Says the Rebbe, this revolutionary thing, you can change the person's life. Isn't this the whole task of therapy? The therapist, which we used to call the tzaddik, the master therapist, what the tzaddikim did, the spiritual masters. Just by looking at Jews in this compassionate way, holding space for them, helping them to understand their journey, helping them to rediscover hope, to rediscover sanity, to rediscover a kesher to Hashem, which we call surrender in AA terminology or anonymous terminology. That's one modality. There are many spirituality-based modalities to healing. So this was the job of the tzaddik. This is the job of the therapist. By seeing the good, seeing the good, believing in the good, helping the person discover the good, to reframe. You can change a person's life. You've reintroduced them to hope. And you can help the person... Again, let's use the, this, the, the, the mental health term. You can help the person heal. That's what we call tshuva, it's just healing. You can help the person heal. You can help the person return to who they really are. So when we accomplish this, says David Melech, and we find the little bit wherein the person isn't wicked, you find this little bit more that there is to the person, which is good, where the person is not wicked. The Pasa continues, says David Melech, you know what will happen? This by Nanta al a couple of days, a couple of months, a couple of years, a couple of decades, can even be later. You have to be very patient. Long, long process. When you look back at that person, when you want to look back to that person, says the Pasuk, they're gone. They're no longer there. Through this that you found within that person, this little bit of more of good, just a little drop of, of goodness, which is essential. This little expression of kindness, that's a window into their essence, which is essentially kind, essentially good, essentially pure. One mitzvah, they're essentially bound up with Hashem. 
So we look and see it as a window into their true essence. And we're not medaber al shum ish Yisraeli, even though we may understand that there's work to be done, but we don't define the person. That's not an essential blemish. And therefore the Torah is not essentially blemished. So we can come to true Avas Yisrael. So we can come to true Avas HaTorah and Cheshek. So we can come to true Avas Hashem. You changed their life and so they're no longer the same person. So you'll want to look back at that, at that guy. They're gone because he's a completely different person now. When you look back to consider that person again, they're not there anymore because you've changed them. You've helped them change. You've helped them rediscover. You've helped them reclaim contact with their essence. And so this, I think, is what Rabbi Nachman means over here in this Torah. It doesn't mean to fool ourselves. It doesn't mean that as a community we should refuse to, you know, to see anything or to hear anything. Nothing gonna, gonna pro- is going to progress that way. That's not either healthy. That's, that's not how things need to be. But what does need to happen is a constant contextualization of whatever it is that we see wrong. Whatever's wrong is external. Whatever's right is essential, is internal. And so when a person takes upon themselves not to say anything bad, and if they must say something bad, they're constantly reminding themselves this is not who the person really is. And they're always trying to see, find out, again, going back to what we learned about last week, to understand the person, understand where the person's coming from, which doesn't mean that it's okay. We can still point to something and say this is not okay and it needs to be dealt with. But, but still, to, to, to look deeper, to look broader, and to, and, to, and to help just for ourselves, to help ourselves stay in touch with our faith in humanity that this is not the essence of the person. It's a good person that's done bad things, etc. And those, it needs to be dealt with and taken care of, sometimes even drastically, especially in cases of abuse and so on and so forth. Obviously, right? So that's why I keep on going back. Rabbi Nachman doesn't say, okay, that's it. You know, we should just pretend like everything's fine. That's not what he means. But we're able still to hold tight to our firm belief that Go as deeply as you need to go. The final, final layer, the core of a person is, is divine, is godly. If we'll adapt that perspective and change the way that we look at other Yidin, and that this should impact the way that we speak about other Jews, says the Rebbe, watch how our cheshek level for the Torah which is shining without any of the other layers. It's just shining. Watch how that shifts. Watch how that shifts. It changes. We're able to go ahead and to see the Torah for what it really is. And that's going to inspire cheshek in our heart. A yearning, a longing, a desire to get more connected to the Torah because, wow, look how it helps me to see the world so much more deeply, so much more accurately. What a more pleasant world to live in. How I can be a channel and a conduit for healing for myself and for other people. The more that I connect to this Torah that's reflecting our spiritual 
essence, our goodness, our holiness. The Torah and the Jewish nation and Hashem are one. And I begin to shift my perception of Hashem. I have a much deeper, we, we get a much deeper concept of who Hashem is. And that feeds back into a deeper conception of who the Jewish nation is and what we're here for. And that similarly reflects back on the Torah and so on and so forth until everything sh- changes and we are inspired to engage with the Torah, not because it's the same old Torah that it always was and something changed within us, but something changed within our perspective and perception so profoundly that it's like the Torah is like something else. It becomes a Torah that we could love. Hashem becomes, so to speak, a God that we can believe in. The Jewish nation becomes a nation of people, flawed as they may be, who we could be absolutely madly in love with. Because we see it for what it is, for what it truly, truly is at its root. Part of what makes our people so special, our nation so special, is that we have the capacity to develop these lenses, not just to relate to the Jewish nation where it's much easier, but maybe even to all people, very deep, and maybe even to all things. No matter what, we're able to find some redeeming value factor. And again, I want to make this clear, even if it doesn't impact our practical engagement or perception or, or reaction to the thing or person or place or circumstance, an iota makes no difference. But deep in our hearts, it keeps us clean. It keeps us awake. So that even when you die in me day ace of... But the call still remains the call Yaakov. We spoke about that in the very beginning of the war, if you remember, is the first thing and one of the only things that I've really said about this whole thing because like, I'm just, it's beyond me. It's, it's totally beyond me to say anything about, but just totally beyond me, the whole thing. Um, but the one thing is, you know, whatever needs to be done, however it needs to be done, we have to make sure not to lose our sensitivity. And this is a good way to do that. Without it, again, impacting an iota of how we need to react and ace and there's a time for war, etc. But in our hearts, to see the goodness, to believe in the goodness, to have idealistic hope that people can change, not naivete and not being irresponsible with it, Again, I want to make this clear. Even if practically it makes no difference and we need to arm every person and build gates and walls and everything for our protection, what can you do? But I believe, and I know that so many of you do agree with me, that we'll have much more hope if beyond all of those practical, pragmatic uh, 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 impl- Im- implementations of all these practical safeguards that need to be put into place and that people are sacrificing their lives on our behalf, wherever we are in the world to do, that, that, that if we can still maintain this, this kernel of, of, of hope and faith in humanity, we'll be so much more likely to get to the place where we want the world to be than if we devolve into, into this horribly pessimistic um, and, uh, and, and defeatist fatalist perspective on circumstances where nothing will ever change and, you know, etc. 
So this is the dance. This is the dance. This is the dance of the Jew who has one leg in the mitzvah of Allah and not to be naive, but also has to have one foot in the in the true reality of what this world is. It's an illusion, and 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 believes that everything is elokus. It's trying to manifest itself. That humanity is good, and that Am Yisrael are here to manifest that good so intensely, so that we can introduce the whole world to it, so that we can all come. For everyone to come to serve Hashem. That's our ultimate tefillah. So this is an incredibly powerful teaching, incredibly counterintuitive. Uh, you know, if not for the Rebbe, who would have seen this connection? But it's very powerful. And let's uh, let's put it to the test. <laughs> let's put it to the test. Let's continue to develop our Ayin Toiva in the nuanced way that we've presented it here. B'siyat Rishmaya. Um, and let's mainly see the good in ourselves. Let's start there. Let's start there. So I, I bless everybody with the most beautiful week up ahead. And to think about these teachings, you know, like I say, the learning is beautiful, but that's not the main thing. To think about these things, put it in, that's, I'm speaking to myself, that I should be hopefully to put it into practice. And um, let's, give it a, let's give it a shot. And let's see how our cheshek grows. So, kesef kainas azov. That through kisufin we could acquire the the gold, the gold. Okay. Thank you so much for joining. Chazak v'yamatz, everybody. We should only hear b'suris taivas. Good news, and uh, and hold on strong to that faith in the world. Hold on strong, not to lose it.